Hello and welcome to the EduChat podcast, hosted by myself, James Brown. This podcast is brought to you by Discovery Schools Academy Trust and Partners to provide listeners with insightful, honest and interesting reflections on educational themes in primary schools. During each podcast, we will explore through conversations some of the great practice and stories from the sector, as well as focusing on some of the challenges and issues facing us today. We hope you enjoy our podcast and welcome your reviews, and we also encourage you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues in your schools. You can find us at Discovery Trust on Twitter, and you can email us at podcast at discoveryschoolstrust.org.uk. On today's podcast, we'll be discussing professional development journeys, and I'm delighted to be joined by Emma Turner, the Research Informed Professional Development Lead from Affinity Teaching School Alliance. Hi, Emma. Hello. So, Emma, uh, really great to have you here. Thank you for joining us. I know that you um, are very busy, uh, so I appreciate you taking the time to to come and uh, be part of the podcast today. So, Emma, just tell us a little bit about your job and who you are and your background. Um, Well, I currently work for Affinity and Discovery. I am a teacher with 21 years experience now and 13 years in senior leadership in schools. I've worked for the National Strategies, being a National Strategy Consultant. I've been an assistant head, a deputy head, a head teacher, well a co-head teacher, and now I'm focusing solely on research and uh, CPD development for Affinity and Discovery. That's great. So, Emma, today we're going to talk a little bit about professional development journeys. Um, So talk to me about what you believe are the most important components of professional development. So I'm a teacher, I'm listening to this podcast, and I'm interested in hearing from you, someone with lots of experience. Um, Kind of where should I start in terms of um, organising and planning my professional journey? Well, first of all, you need to think about why you want to have professional development. So what are the drivers that have led you towards making that decision that you need some sort of professional development? It is really important for all uh, teachers to be involved in professional development. If you think about the pupils that you teach, they're involved in learning for over a thousand hours a, a year. And you kind of have to ask yourself as a teacher, as the lead learner in that environment, how much learning do you actually do in that role? However, when you come to plan your own professional development, you need to think about the drivers behind it. So what are the things that make you interested in the areas of learning? Is it a a personal interest in a particular aspect of education or is it something more strategic in terms of a, a line of inquiry in your school or an area of development from the school development plan? So the first thing to think of is, first thing to think of is why am I actually trying to access some professional learning? Okay, and, and typically for a teacher then, who might that person be that they could have that conversation with in school? Because some of that motivation will be uh, internal and that, an intrinsic motivation, the want to learn and progress professionally. But who is it a, a teacher, particularly a new teacher for argument's sake, might go and talk to about sort of identifying and planning where, where that journey might take them? It all depends on stage of your career and the context of your school. So, for example, if you are an NQT, the person that you'll speak to will be your induction tutor or your mentor, and they can act as kind of a signposter for where you might find the most appropriate professional development for your stage in your career. Um, As an NQT, you should be enrolled on an NQT course anyway. But if you're an RQT, if you're not already involved in RQT development, it's important to talk to mentors, senior leaders and your head teacher in school, both in terms of planning something strategic for you that's going to impact directly on your pupils, as well as thinking about the wider picture of the school in terms of overall CPD offer, provision and funding. 
Okay. So um, I had that conversation in school, and now I'm beginning to think about the type of professional. I think fundamentally, what I'd like to understand, the listeners might be interested in, is why is professional development so important? Um, well, teaching never stands still. If you think about what teaching looked like in the last five years, it's changed immeasurably in terms of statutory changes, in terms of curriculum development and assessment, but also in terms of how much information is out there for teachers, the takeoff of social media, um, and just the amount of information that you're bombarded with, or can be bombarded with. It's really important to stay abreast of, of current changes and current thinking in order to make sure that there's impact in the classroom. Uh, teaching and learning uh, CPD is only effective if it has an impact back in the classroom. So trying to find and access courses which have the most impact on um, classroom uh, outcomes is kind of your first stop. So looking at programmes which are potentially more sustained over time rather than kind of the historical one day quick fix workshop type thing. And, and am I right in, well, I guess a question then is, how might I identify, because as a teacher, um, you're absolutely right, through social media, through the various uh, unions and, uh, and associations that I'm a part of, I get sent an awful lot of CPD or professional development opportunities. So what are the kind of cornerstones of like really quality professional learning? How do I understand what's the right type of programme or, or, um, or CPDL to access? Those ones which are have a really clear focus on pupil outcomes. If it's just a day exploring a theme or exploring a topic, it's not likely to have any direct impact back in class. So look for those opportunities which have um, opportunities for networking, for discussion, for actually unpicking what the talk content will do in terms of impact on people outcomes and people development, people thinking, and opportunities to come back and revisit the material over time. Um, it's been proven in many studies that the most effective CPD is that which is sustained over at least one term, preferably two, and then potentially over many years as well. So look for programmes where you can constantly revisit and, and make meaningful links between the the information that you're taught in the taught content bit, but also meaningful links in terms of developing professional networks with the colleagues on the course. Can I, be, I think maybe um, it'd be nice to hear from you about um, some professional development that you've accessed in the past that maybe you felt was the most um, significant in your journey. Is there something that you can reflect on? You remember going to a, on a particular programme or even maybe leading and designing a programme because in your role as a, as a leader that you feel like it really sort of got it right, it worked for you? When I did my MPQH, um, if I look now at my contemporaries, my peers at sort of the same sort of level, um, they were all on the same MPQH course in cohort with me. So I think those um, courses which are designed for you not only to learn the content but to make real connections with other professionals that you can have a sort of ongoing professional relationship with are really important. So look for collaboratives, look for networks, look for working groups and working parties rather than being a sole delegate looking at um, something for a day. When I think about my MPQH now and I often go to training at heads meetings or regional meetings, I see the same faces again and again and it's really reassuring to know that we all went on that same journey together. 
Yeah, sure. So that whole idea of professional network, something yeah. you're going to come back to, your colleagues you can call up yes. and have regular dialogue with that's just going to help you along effectively. Yeah. So the content was important within that, yeah. but as as so was the, the, the people that you met and, and the way that supported you as you part of your career. And it provides that professional challenge as well. It's mm. all very well and good going away doing learning in isolation, but um, unless you kind of challenge it rigorously from all angles with people with different viewpoints, different demographics in their school, um, different approaches, then it won't be a robust kind of experience in terms of learning um, because it hasn't had that challenge from all angles, which you do get on collaboratives and programmes such as the MPQ programmes or on um, extended collaboratives. Mm, sure. Okay, great. So uh, there'll be teachers listening to this podcast today from a range of different um, ages and experiences. Some people, I'm sure, have just got into teaching. Some people are maybe even thinking of getting into teaching. And some may have been teaching, like yourself, for in excess of 20 years, um, just over in your case, just to make a point. <laughs> I feel so old. Um, so tell me about what a typical... And I know that there's probably not a really a typical, but what a, a sort of a, a, a normal um, a teacher professional development journey might look like. So from the day in which I start teach training, what might my next sort of 10 to 15 years look like? <clears throat> well, you kind of have to look at it from a novice to expert perspective. So when you are a novice teacher or fledgling teacher, early teacher, uh, teacher in the early years of their career, whatever you want to call it, there's going to be an awful lot of information to start with. So some of the courses that you might go on might be very content heavy in terms of basically information about how children learn, um, subjects, specialism content. And as you move through and perfect your teaching, there'll be opportunities for collaboration, um, joining small networks, potentially looking at something in um, greater depth in preparation for subject leadership. And I say subject leadership rather than subject coordination because I think it's important as early on as possible to start thinking about leading education. You lead your class on a daily basis and those skills can be gradually built upon to develop your leadership journey. So you may well go through from subject leadership through to um, specialising in a particular area, whether it be SCND, whether it be um, maths, uh, behaviour, pastoral support, that sort of thing. Um, and you may well get involved in specific CPD, either delivery of or attendance at that kind of CPD. And then there's also the access to the MPQ programmes, which are uh, an opportunity to really reflect on all the learning you've done so far in your career. And they're structured to develop you straight from um, kind of virtually none or very little leadership experience through to middle leadership, senior leadership, um, head teacher and then with the EL through the exec um, head level as well. So there's there's a quite a structured path there if you want to go on that path but what I really like about career development now is that there's all these offshoots where you can mm. develop expertise in the classroom such as the role of the lead professionals um, and opportunities to lead uh, collaboratives or lead sessions on workshops on um, conferences yeah sure sure so in the increasingly school-led system yeah it more and more so teachers and leaders are being asked to come and share practice yes um, and, and that's a great way of being giving people a bit of an incentive actually and and, and there's quite a nice uh, sense of kind of giving back in, in most there cases is. and I also say to quite a lot of teachers early on in their career get yourself a student teacher as early as you can because that is the thing that will refine and hone your own practice because it makes you reflect on what you're doing and when the student teacher asks you why did you do it like that 
it's really important to kind of have that reflection and be able to articulate, do you know what, that is why I do that. And again, that can be one of the, the very first and most important steps in your leadership journey and the development of the understanding of your own pedagogy when you have to explain it to somebody else. And so from the perspective of someone that designs professional development and, and leads quite a, a significant chunk of professional development, and importantly as well, the newly qualified teacher programme and the recently qualified teacher programme, when you're thinking about professional development design, which this might be of use for deputy heads and senior leaders in schools mm-hmm. who are leading on staff <laughs> meetings and, and school improvement activity, what do you try and make sure that you include within your learning, your adult learning experiences? Um, it does depend very much on the makeup of the group and the stage of their career. But if it's teachers early on in their career, it's a mixture of talk content reassurance as well that they are a doing a lot more right than they are probably doing wrong um, and also that that what I'm saying is current every year I think oh I don't need to do very much work on that course because it's already written and then I pull it up and think oh my goodness it is a complete rethink because of changes either statutory changes national changes or just changes in thinking and changes in research so whatever you're doing whatever you're delivering it's to make it current and to make it relevant and to constantly always have at the centre of everything you do what will this achieve for the pupils in the school if it's not going to change anything for the kids in the classes don't do it don't mm. say it they're mm. your core purpose i mean teachers um improved teachers open doors for children cpd is kind of the key to that but if it's not going to open a door into something useful for the children mm. just keep the door shut yeah <laughs> sure sure that's that's really great so <clears throat> Thinking about then um, your res- the, the big input from the government at the minute and the big sort of emphasis is around having a research-informed profession, which is absolutely right um, to be to be to be there as a strategy. So, tell me about some of the recent texts and the recent books and research that you might have read. Anything that might come to mind that sort of inspired you to kind of continue to progress your thinking and your knowledge, because as you said earlier. In the same way that children in a class need to continue to learn, as do people leading on uh, adult professional learning and, and teacher professional development. So, is there anything specific in, in, at the moment that you've been uh, reading that's in, you know it's inspired you? Um, if you haven't already read it, go and get yourself a copy of the Magic Weaving Business by Sir John Jones. It's the most restorative, uplifting book I think I've ever read in education. And on the days where you think, "Why am I doing all of this?" or I've just run out of energy. You kind of dip into it and it's a it's like Lucas aid. <laughs> it just gives you that kind of little energy boost, a little lift. Um, All the soft drink providers. Yeah. <laughs> In a BBC style. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a great book for reminding you about your core purpose as a teacher, which can get lost in the day-to-day kind of busyness of, of a school. So that, was a, that would be the first thing. Um, because basically, if you don't agree with what's in that book, you might want to think of kind of a, another yeah. career. Um, and then in terms of getting into research, there's a series called The Best of the Best. Um, now, I would look at that series of books and if you do nothing else, just look at the front covers of those books because each one's got a list of key researchers and thinkers in those areas. There's one on progress, there's one on um, engagement, and I think there's four, but each one on the front has got a list of people. Even if you just go and follow those people on Twitter, you will automatically have an amazing bank of quality research. So the Magic Weaving Business and then the Best of the Best series and then one of the other big ones about at the moment is about how we learn 
and there's a book called Understanding How We Learn, which is an introduction to metacognition and cognitive psychology. A little harder going than the other ones, but definitely worth a read if you're interesting in, interested in progressing your, your teaching in any way. Great. Um, that's fab. And what we'll try and do when we promote this podcast is find links to those and pop them out through Twitter yeah. so um, so users can find those. But that's, that's really useful and helpful. Thank you. So we've talked a little bit about why professional development is important. We've talked about the potential journey that you might take and, and the variability actually on that, depending on what it is that your sort of passion take, you know, wherever your passion takes you. And also, I guess, what the needs of the school um, are there as well. So uh, who, in a general sense, would influence your professional development in learning? Who, who, how do you decide what, what next? What's the right thing for you next? You should be really clear about what your next step should be in terms of the school through your either your NQT <coughs> induction tutor conversations and then through your performance management conversations however it's really important to go to those sorts of meetings prepared to say I'm really interested in this or I see this as the next stage in my career or that or something I'm really interested in that I'd like to pursue um, it's really great as a as a leader in a school to have somebody come to you really fired up about something positive that they're really interested in. So preparing for performance management, preparing for um, interim reviews as an NQT, in terms of thinking about what your next steps might be, are kind of the, the key thing mm. in that area. Mm. Okay, thanks for that, Emma. Um, so. Professional development comes in many shapes and sizes in respect that some are one-off courses, as you just described, a sort of single or a half day. There's obviously network meetings and collaboratives and conferences and so on. So just remind us again what you think is important when we've had that conversation with the head teacher or your line manager, when you're thinking about going for this next sort of step in your professional development. How do I know it's the right one for me? Because I'm so conscious that, I mean, from a teaching school perspective, we've read lots of feedback in the past. Colleagues saying, oh, you know, I need more on this or less on that or the style wasn't right or whatever it might be. So how do I know what great professional development looks like and, um, and what should listeners be sort of looking out for? They should be looking for those courses which provide um, a blend of opportunities. If it's all taught content, you're going to become overloaded very, very quickly. You want ones where there's built-in times potentially for visits to other schools, visits for other settings, opportunities for networking, opportunities for a, a range of different activities, maybe some online content, maybe some reading, <clears throat> and opportunities potentially to visit other settings to contrast them with your own demographic, your own practice, your own school. It's so useful to go to somewhere and actually really uh, get under the skin of another a school and find out what the transferable practice might be not just oh that's a lovely display I can do that in my own school but actually what are the key things that that school is doing which could be directly transferred to your school across a whole school mm. so you're looking for something um, which is designed around impact really so yes you'll have your own personal interests where you think oh I'm really interested in, uh, in metacognition I'm going to go on that course but actually you need to look at it in the wider context of the needs of your school and the long-term needs of your um, professional journey so does it fit in with that conversation that you had with your performance manager or your NQT mentor and also how much does it cost <laughs> I see loads of courses that I'd love to go on and then I find out they're 1500 pounds for one day in Birmingham mm. so again it's balancing kind of cost per wear really in mm. terms of how much impact is this going to have for the price of 
the course. Yeah, and our experiences also suggest that not always cost equals yeah. quality, right? So it depends on the type of thing you're after. And um, I guess this will come out in the next bit. Yeah. So we ask all of our listeners um, in their specific areas of expertise and yours being professional development and professional learning to share with us some of their top tips uh, for listeners. So um, I think you've come up with five top tips from our conversation before <laughs> coming on air. So tell us what your sort of top tips are for those people out there listening today to go, do you know what? Well, great. Well done. You've told me about a load of kind of professional development stuff, but where do I go next? What's next? Right. Find yourself some decent mentors. When I look back on my career, I can God, I sound like I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> when I look back through the years I have worked, I've, I, there are key people who sort of steered me and guided me or inspired me to, to take a chance, take a risk, to kind of put myself forward for stuff that I might not necessarily have done. When I was an NQT and NQT plus one, I was very lucky to work with a lady who went on to be phenomenally successful in her field. And she's a real leading light in education still today. So I had quite a good, quite fortunate there. Um, and then when I worked as a consultant, um, she turned up again working alongside me. So I got to meet her at different stages of my career. Um, there are people currently within Discovery and Affinity who I've worked with as class teacher kind of year group partners who have been inspired by their amazing class teaching or just their passion for education so it's it's about finding yourself brilliant mentors who will you inspire you to do great things that you wouldn't necessarily have thought were great for you and also mentors who will tell you when you're being a bit of an idiot as well <laughs> and saying that's a really bad idea so people that are prepared to be honest <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah um, the next one would be to read as widely as you can. Now, that sounds pretty obvious coming from somebody whose job it is to research, but not necessarily just read and research around education. The best teachers are the ones who have brilliant general knowledge as well as knowledge of education. The reason for that is that you can make brilliant links across the curriculum. You can tap into the cultural zeitgeist of whatever the children are uh, interested in in your class at that time. You can make your curriculum relevant, vibrant, current, but if you don't watch the news, you don't watch documentaries, you don't read the newspaper, you don't read widely, you can't make those connections within literacy, maths, current affairs, you know, what's happening in the world, basically. So get yourself a great mentor, read widely. The next one is to pace yourself. Um, it's brilliant to be ambitious, to be hungry for the next step, but it's also really important to be reflective and evaluative and to gain experience in key fields. If you are looking at leadership, I would suggest that you make sure that you have taught in quite a few year groups to get that experience of what the ebb and flow of a school feels like and what teaching feels like in terms of delivery in different year groups. So get as much experience as you can and really take things slowly and do fewer things in greater depth. Yeah, there's <laughs> so, some great curriculum, yeah. curriculum links there. Uh, the other one is to be a discerning reader of research, especially online. There is masses and masses of information in Facebook groups, on Twitter, but actually you need to be really selective and have a really good quality control filter in terms of what you're reading. It's very easy to fall down rabbit holes and wormholes and find yourself reading things which are so far removed from what actually quality teaching looks like. So it's important to... Um, look at the sources of information that you're reading. Do they marry up with well-respected professional leaders in CPD delivery or within whichever area it is, for example, 
for example, cognitive psychology or behaviour management. So do the sources stack up or is it just somebody's opinion? So be a discerning reader So are you online. saying that social media has its risks then in yes. terms of people accessing <clears throat> things like Twitter and, and some yes. of the, I know, the t- big teacher Facebook groups. Yeah. And have you got any experience of that that you'd sort of, well, I mean, what, um, what are you thinking? Really? I never comment on them online, but I do read quite a lot of the, the Twitter groups and the Facebook groups. And very often people will put something on there like the most pristine, amazing classroom with this up and that up. And you just think, really, how is that impacting on pupil outcomes? And some of them can, especially for uh, teacher well-being, can make it feel like they're developing a culture of overworking and presenteeism and perfection in absolutely all areas. And it can be quite stressful, especially for people who are maybe not as long in the tooth. to think that that's what everything has to be like all the time and also to remember on those sorts of groups that they are opinions they're not necessarily well researched um, truths about education for want of a better word so take it all with a pinch of salt by all means build professional networks talk about your um, career talk about your areas of interest but always reference any information you find and try and find the source uh, that it came from in order to make sure that it's quality okay that's great oh and then <laughs> this is my favorite one my fifth tip is to find your marigolds um if you google marigolds and nut trees there's a beautiful article and i share it on pretty much all of my courses about surrounding yourself with teaching marigolds and i don't mean marigolds in the washing up glove sense of the word but apparently, if you're a gardener, which I am not, if you plant a marigold next to anything, um, then whatever is next to it will flourish. If you plant anything next to a nut tree, a nut tree will make it die. Oh, that's cheering. So, <laughs> cheering <idea. laughs> so find and surround yourselves with marigolds, both professionally and personally, to to make sure that you are um, that your well-being is looked after. There is nothing worse than walking into a staff room and having somebody say, oh, I hate this class, I've had this awful afternoon, I've got a terrible child in it, I hate this topic. But it's nothing more uplifting than to go in there and somebody go, I've just taught the most amazing lesson, the children were brilliant. So surround yourself with those people who will help you um, to remain positive and avoid the nut trees. There are lots of people who will be very quick to tell you about how hard the profession is, how difficult it is, how the children are so draining. Just avoid those people. I think um, on one of the Facebook groups, Spread the Happiness, Jeanette Basinwood. Jeanette Basinwood, yeah. Basinwood, and yeah. Andy Cope, they talk yeah, a lot, don't they? They talk about lemon suckers, yeah. which is a similar sort of thing um, to nut trees and marigolds. But surround yourself with marigolds, with the people who lift you up, basically. So five top tips. Find yourself a decent mentor, read widely, pace yourself, be a discerning reader, and find yourself a marigold. And please don't be a nut tree to anybody yeah, else. I like the references there to Andy Cope's work and the whole two percenters <laughs> and mood hoovers and so on, but there's a lot of truth to it, isn't there? Yeah. So um, we talk a lot uh, um, at Affinity and Discovery, um, and we reference a lot of Steve Radcliffe's work around kind of future engaged deliver and the yeah. Fed, but which is very powerful, very simple, uh, very... Um, it's superb like leadership language, um, and one of the things he talks uh, regularly about then is is kind of what are you up to. So you've you've talked an awful lot today um, about all the different elements of kind of professional development and how people can take be careful in taking the right next steps and thinking about their own journeys. So my question to you then, Emma, is kind of what are you currently up to? What's <laughs> your thing? You read at the speed of light, and you've got constant new thinking that um, delegates are very fortunate to. 
um, hear from you about, but what are you personally up to at the moment? I am absolutely fascinated by Sweller's cognitive load theory, which sounds unbelievably geeky. But Dylan Williams says it's the single most important thing that teachers need to be aware of. And currently, um, I don't think many teachers have got A, the time, or have had the opportunity to explore it in enough depth. I am currently making links in my research between cognitive load theory and planning the curriculum about how it impacts on teacher well-being in terms of reducing workload and also how it links into marking and feedback and if you're working in any discovery schools or work with affinity um, a lot of the work on looking for learning fits in and the metacognition fits in with uh, as well as cognitive load theory but I uh, you don't want me to go into it now, do you? Uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, a little tip bit, and people day. can go and find their own information about it. So, is there yeah. a particular place you might send people or direct people to? to? If you just Google Sweller's cognitive load theory, um, there's a really nice article um, from New South Wales government, actually, in, in Australia. They've got a lovely um, poster for the staff room and two little booklets that you can download. Mm. And David Weston twe tweeted about it mm. on Twitter recently, so you can follow his link. Great. And David Weston will be at the Inspiring Leaders Conference in a few weeks, so we look forward to hearing from him. So, yeah. amazing. Well, um, Emma, look, that's been uh, really, really useful. And thank you for coming today and sharing your experiences. And um, as you say, 21 years in the profession and actually an awful lot of expertise that you've got along the way and some really useful advice and guidance there. So thank you so much for your inputs um, this afternoon. It's been fab. Um, our next podcast will focus on... Um, high quality teaching and learning and we're going to be joined by director of primary education at discovery schools trust that's david briggs um, so keep an eye out for that one being released in the next uh, three or four weeks and don't forget you can help us improve our podcast by emailing us at um, podcast at discovery schools trust.org.uk and you could leave reviews on our uh, on the various podcast websites and we fully encourage you to do that because the more reviews we get um, the more likely other colleagues are likely to find out about uh, about these podcasts um, you can do follow, follow us on twitter at Discovery Trust and you can also visit our website discoveryschoolstrust.org.uk and you can also um, find us at affinitytsa.co.uk You've been listening to the EduChat podcast by Discovery Schools Academy Trust and for me, James Brown, goodbye. <laughs>